Welcome everyone. This is Recovery Dharma. My name is Julia. I am so happy to be here. And I'd like to share with you today uh, a little painting I made. And it has a sentiment of loving kindness on the back. That's how I start our every practice. Uh, setting an intention. Really looking at our motivation for being here. So this intention reads, May you not deny the purity of your heart. May you not deny the purity of your heart. And just let that roll around in your mind for a moment. Maybe even allow yourself a moment to entertain. Do I deny the purity of my own heart? What does purity of heart mean? In what way do I deny? In what way do I allow? May you not deny the purity of your heart. Friends, on Wednesdays, we study the beautiful work of Roshi Joan Halifax, who is a Zen master at Upaya Institute in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And she wrote this wonderful book called Standing at the Edge. And we have been studying this book, taking it very, very slowly for a very long time, well over a year, maybe two years, I don't even know. And edge states are something that she has brought forward into our consciousness as qualities that we all possess. Qualities of empathy, qualities of respect and disrespect, qualities of altruism, compassion, and the edge state of these qualities is what happens when we over-engage or we under-engage these qualities. When we over-engage, say, in generosity, and we just give, 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 suddenly we run on empty and we have nothing more to give, so that any request for giving that comes forward feels taxing, we feel put upon, we might even feel resentful of the person daring to ask that we give one more moment of ourselves. So often we forget to examine our habits around giving. Why were we depleted in the first place? We've gone over the <coughs> edge of our giving into a kind of distress. And in that place of distress, we experience discomfort and negativity. At the same time, generosity as a quality we're working with, or compassion or empathy, 
we can not get close enough to the edge and we can become very complacent and cautious and hesitant so that we question our giving. We feel insecure. Oh, maybe my talents aren't so good. Maybe they can find someone else. I'm not really good enough for this, that, and the other thing. Who am I to start a recovery dharma meeting? I don't know how to give in that way. And so we hold back. And as a result of holding back, we also experience discomfort and suffering. We limit our magnificence. We limit the purity of our heart. We limit the expression of our Buddha nature. We deny ourselves opportunity to grow. And so the edge is such a wonderful place for us to explore the qualities that we all possess as human beings, making sure that we don't go to war with ourselves should we be in a distressed state of either overdoing or underdoing. This is simply a place to practice neutrality and equanimity. Wow, would you look at that? I've totally gone overboard again. Huh, I wonder what that's all about. Wow, would you look at me underselling myself? Look at all this insecurity. Can I get curious about that? There's so much to learn. We are all so unique and we're all weird and wonderful and strange and quirky. We're all obnoxious and annoying. And we're all exceedingly joyful and patient and wise and true. Last week, I brought forward the story of the red dog and Asanga. And this is a Buddhist parable about uh, a monk that lived in a cave for a long time, 12 years. And he was his motivation for being in that cave was to cultivate pure loving kindness. And he was hoping to evoke the spirit of the Buddha of loving kindness, the spirit of Maitreya. He wanted to have some kind of awakened vision of this Buddha. And after 12 years... To no avail, he gave up and he wandered down the hill and he came across a dog in the pathway and the dog was wounded, severely injured and covered in maggots. And it was seeing this wounded dog that Asanga was overwhelmed with compassion for this other being. And he was going to go to really great lengths to alleviate this being's suffering. He was going to suspend his own comfort in order to alleviate the pain and suffering of another being. And the moment he went to do this, the Buddha of loving-kindness appeared, Maitreya appeared. And Asanga was bestowed the teaching of 
unbiased, unreferential, universal compassion. Today, I'd like to finish that perspective on access to universal compassion. We all have it. We can all tap into it. It's not something just for the extra practiced. It's not for people who can put their shins behind their necks in a pretzel. It's not for people who have had years and years and years of time on a meditation cushion. Universal compassion is who we are. Let that sink in for a moment. Universal compassion is who you are. This is what Roshi has to say about it. Like Asanga's awakening, our own awakening from delusion happens when we are bigger than our small self and we are in some way drawn through the knot of suffering into the wider world around us. Thus, the wounded dog and squirming maggots gave the yogi Asanga the precious chance to embody, not to merely contemplate and consider, but to embody, to become his wish to benefit others. To have unbiased, universal compassion is to have a heart and mind that are open to the suffering of all beings and ready to serve in an instant. It is universal, boundless, pervasive, and without bias. As the illusion of the small self falls away, we remember who we really are. For anyone who is new to the practice and maybe hearing the word small self is a new phrase, a new idea, a wonderful and simple way to consider small self is all the times throughout your day, you're starting your sentences, your thoughts with I. I would do it this way. I can't believe they did that. Well, I think. It should be this, that, and the other thing. I like it this way. I know this. I know that. I know I'm a terrible person. I know I'm a wonderful person. I, I, I. Me, me, me. Small, small, small. When we start to play with that and to question it, ooh, Look at me telling myself and judging myself that I'm terrible. What kind of story is that? What's that all about? When we start to question, when we start to get curious, it loses its power and it starts to fall away. When that happens, compassion that is the essence of our character begins to emerge. It permeates our whole being and we can feel it for anyone and everyone at once, Roshi writes. She says the person suffering from excruciating sorrow and the bloodied child in Aleppo 
the elephant in a moldy zoo, the woman on methamphetamines, even the drug dealer, the abusive parent, and the warmongering politician. When we recognize that there is no separate self, that all beings and things are interconnected, we are ripe for universal compassion. This is the experience of a person who has a deep practice and who is naturally predisposed toward great kindness and concern for the well-being of others. Like compassionate Avalokiteshvara, when we experience universal compassion, we respond to any need in any way we can. It's like salt in the water of the great ocean. It's like the air we breathe. It's like the blood in the body. It is the very medium of our lives and our minds. This person capable of universal compassion is already each of us. And we might only experience it for a moment, for a plant, for a butterfly, for a little bird that's hit the window and we gently scoop it up and give it someplace safe to rest and recover. And then in the very next minute, we're flipping somebody off on the highway because we're that person too. And then, wouldn't you know, later on when somebody flips us off on the highway, we can just laugh and go, oh yeah, just like me. There you are. There I am. When we read about heroism, when we hear about great acts of kindness, when we hear about success stories in recovery, that's us too. Just like me, just like you. Universal compassion available in every moment, in every breath. Let's take a moment of silence and reflect, maybe take stock of an act of kindness, big or small, it doesn't matter that you have recently engaged. Allow yourself to feel proud of that moment. I know that we have a lot of unlearning to do around pride. We're not going to become arrogant. We're simply going to notice. And feeling proud of a good action is a good thing. Take stock of it. Be proud. Allow your pride to be a key to open the heart of compassion and with it patience for others who are struggling, confused. Acceptance for those times where we fall short of our expectations and aspirations. 
come back to that moment that you can feel good about yourself and a good act. And if you're stuck and you're in a low place today, I'm going to give you a hint and suggest you consider that being here in this meeting at this practice is an extraordinary act of compassion. Friends, we'll end our practice today with a chant. I'll chant seven times. Beautiful prayer to Shakyamuni Buddha. This is a, a wonderful invocation of compassion. If you know it, you can chant with me. If not, just enjoy it. May the melody and some of the words resonate in your mind and heart and maybe carry you through the rest of your today. Tayata o muni muni maha muni soha Tayata o muni muni Maha Muni Soha Tayata O Muni Muni Maha Muni Soha Tayata O Muni Muni Maha Muni Soha.
So good, friends. Let's go ahead and end our practice with a dedication of merit. And maybe what I'd like to do for this one is just invite you to wiggle your body a little bit. Just maybe shake it out. Close your eyes. No one's looking. Just shake it off a little bit. Ah. Ah. And then come back. Why do we dedicate this practice? Well, we dedicate this practice and we recognize that coming into practice generates positivity. It is a wise action. It's a wise effort. We are here with positive understanding and intention. I mean, really, we have enacted the Noble Eightfold Path by just being here. We have stood upon the bedrock of this ancient practice, and that's a good thing. So we take a moment to take stock of that. In the Buddhist practice, however, we are always invited to share We don't keep this goodness just for ourselves. In fact, if we tried, we would suffocate. This goodness is meant to be liberated. It's meant to be shared. And so we dedicate this practice to all of our friends and family and Sangha members, many of whom we have not yet met all over the world. For anybody who is lost in their substance use disorder, for anyone who's struggling to find their way to some kind of recovery, for those who are searching for ways to support their loved ones on their journey, for anyone who is having to endure the legal system and they are in jail or in prison, for anybody who is confused and lonely and abandoned for anyone who is ill and in the hospital for those people who have co-occurring mental health issues and are trying to find support and care 
for all of those people who are out there just nailing it, doing such great work and, and really sharing the success of their practice. We dedicate our efforts here. May it ripple out into the world. May it wrap around in ways of comfort, warmth, and support. May our efforts here today remind us that there's goodness to experience. May the light we seek turn inward and find residence in the purity of heart. Thank you so much for your beautiful practice, friends. We'll see you next time. Namaste.